Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Hallelujah. 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 I just feel so jacked up on Jesus right now. I don't know. So good, isn't it? Welcome to 2020. Isn't it good? You having a good year so far? It's going to be better than last year. It's going to be really amazing. God's got some amazing plans for you. It's all really good. It's really, really good. Bigger, bigger, bigger. So we're starting a new series. How many people have seen our uh, billboard in town? Anybody gone by, seen the billboard? Werner has seen it. A few people have seen it. You can see we've got Southdale North, uh, Southdale East and West, and one at Richmond. And so that's that's it. That's the... That's the uh, billboard right there, except it has our website on it as well. So we got Madeline up on the screen with a six-foot smile saying, join us, you know. Who doesn't want to go to church with that smile? Who doesn't say, whatever she's on, I'll have some, you know. So, I mean, that's good. So we're starting a new series, six weeks, and it's all about see yourself here. And, you know, you, you need to see. You need to see accurately. You need to see well. You need to see Jesus because what you think and see about Jesus is the more, most important thing about you. And what you see about him is going to help you define yourself. That'll help you understand yourself. You need to unpack yourself. And then the best way to do that is here. It's nowhere else. No, I mean here. I think here's a good place to do that. There's a lot of great places. You need to be in community. What we're saying is, for you to be the absolute best version of yourself, you need to see, you need to see yourself, and you need to see yourself in a community where you can unpack who you are, and because a whole lot of the Bible has to do with others, and you can't do others if you're not in a relationship with others, and it's about us sharing life and doing life together as the body of Christ. So that's what we're going to unpack together in the next six weeks. So how many know somebody, you might know somebody who might find that helpful? Well, just invite them. It's all good. Amen. Ludwig's good at inviting. He's a great inviter. He's, he's the best at that. I should have Ludwig give personal lessons to people on inviting. He's got the inviting gift. All right, Isaiah 43, 19. Are you ready? Here we go. Isaiah 43, 19. See. Come on, say that loud with me. See. See. Come on, you got to see. See. I am doing a new thing, exclamation mark. How many know God's doing a new thing? It's a new year. It's new stuff. God's doing something great. And then he says, now it springs up. Say now. Something wonderful is happening right now. Do you know that? God is doing something right now. He's doing something in you. He's doing something in your world. He's doing something in your community. God is aggressively moving forward a very specific and clear agenda. And he's doing it right now. Here's the question, though. Do you not perceive it? See, God's doing things. I, I mean, I love the Christmas story. And you, know, you remember the wise men, right? They, they saw a star. They saw it was a divine symbol that was announcing that there is a king born. But you know how many people saw it and followed it and came to worship the king? Three. Yet it was right there in the heavens. Everybody could see it. And then even when they got to Jerusalem and said, hey, this star is announcing the birth of a new king. I mean, all the scholars who knew what was going on told Herod all about it, but all of them still stayed in Jerusalem and still only those three went and worshiped the king. 
It's amazing that you can see something, you can even be told about it, but you don't really perceive it with depth of understanding that actually moves you to engage it. So it's not just about, I see a light. But do you understand the light? Do you understand the purpose for the light? Have you engaged it? Do you know? And are you purposefully wrapped up in what God is doing right now? Because he says, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. See it? It's bringing up right now. Do you not perceive it? What's he doing? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Anywhere where there's dryness, brokenness, and there's a lack of the revelation of God's goodness and the fatness of all that he is, those areas he is rushing into right now with redemptive power and grace and purpose to turn it all around I thought that was pretty good right there thank you Sammy gets to sit in the front row next week that was good <laughs> do you not see it perceive what is perceive perceive is to become aware to become conscious see, there's a lot of people that they're there they can see it but they're not aware somewhere else in their head they've, they're camping somewhere else and you know pastor's preaching or something's going on they're like oh, I wonder what's good wonder if the Canadian team will beat the Russians today. Hmm. Did I turn on my VCR? VCR. What's a VCR? <laughs> Wowzers. How old are you up there? Yeah, I'm pretty old, honestly. God. Be, my father-in-law this year, my goodness. I haven't seen him for, what, maybe six months. We sit down. We're going to play a game of euchre. And he looks across the table and goes, man, you're getting old. And I went, well, Merry Christmas, you know. What's your problem? Anyways, become aware, be conscious of something. That's perceiving to realize it, to realize it, and to really understand it. So we want to talk about seeing. New Year's, I always reevaluate. I have things. I ask God, what's this year all about? What do you want to do this year? One year, I was saying, Lord, where are we going this year? And I got this strong word, shut up. And well, that's not God. That's wrong. I just went, Father, just give me direction. It was, shut up. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Shut up. Man, I'm rebuking everything. And finally, I realized it was just pressing on me, pressing on me. So I didn't write it this way. I wrote it this way. I wrote S-H-U-T. And then, you know, it just flowed. He gave me six words that would unpack that year for me. And the whole thing flowed out of, would you be quiet for a second? I'm trying to talk to you. And he unpacked that year for me. I love, you know, looking to him for the year. This is the year of the Lord. What are you doing, Lord? I want to be aware. I want to see. I want to know what's bringing up now because I'm a child of God. So give you this quote right here. It's a quote that I love from Tommy Barnett, his son, Matthew Barnett, as the Dream Center in L.A. Tommy Barnett pastors uh, First Assembly in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, huge church. And I just, Tommy Barnett's one of my, you know, faith heroes. But he was interviewed a couple of years ago, and I'm listening to the interview, and all of a sudden the interviewer said, looking back over all your years of ministry, what would you do different? I don't know about you, but I hear that, I go, whoop, this is a guy who's done a lot of really amazing stuff, and if I could gain any wisdom or understanding, I'd love it. But I was overwhelmed by what he said. Here's what he said, I would dream bigger, and I would risk more. I was like, dude, I can't believe I think of the risks and the things that you did. And I'm like, what? And here he is in his 80s, he's saying, I'd dream bigger. And I would risk more. Aren't you ready to dream bigger? Aren't you ready in 2020 to just let your vision be expanded for something off the chart? Something that's God-sized and massive? Yeah, me too. That's what we want to do. All right. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, they seem to know. There's people who have just enough Christianity. They seem to know. But it's just enough Christianity to spoil their enjoyment of the world. 
And yet they know enough to feel happy. They don't know enough to feel happy about themselves. They see, but yet they do not see. There's some people got just enough religion to be miserable, just enough religion to make them sad, and they haven't unpacked the full thing. They haven't come into a full perceiving and revelation of who God really is and who they are in him. And they see, but they don't really see. So we want you to see. So today we're going to talk about seeing. And sometimes to see, you have to declutter things. Like Cheryl's glasses, she... She never puts them away in glass, glass cases. She just puts them wherever, drops them, puts them lens first on a counter everywhere. And, and now the lenses, of course, they're all scratched. So now she puts them on and it's, uh, some of it's clear, but it's all those spots and things because she didn't take care of her lenses. You know, sometimes in your world, you get clutter, you get things, you get stuff in the way and you can't see anymore. You ever been into somebody's house and... You know, in their world, they just keep shoving things under the carpet, never deal with anything, and the lump under the carpet is so big you can't see across the room. Sometimes you got to unpack, you got to declutter. If you're going to see, you got to get the stuff out of the way. And we're going to talk about unpacking and getting some declutter out of your life today. Helen Keller, Helen Keller was the first woman who was blind and deaf. I mean, she was blind and deaf and a mute, and yet she taught herself how to sign, how to read Braille. She taught herself. She could touch people's lips and they could talk and she could tell you what they're saying. She trained her senses, the one she didn't have. She trained all the other ones to be amazing. And she actually taught herself how to speak and she would do public lectures. She would do public lectures. She's the first woman who was blind and deaf who graduated from Harvard, one of Harvard's colleges. Pretty amazing woman. Here's what she said. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And there's so many people going through life, they can see, but they're not aware. They can see, but they don't have purpose. They can see, but they don't understand what God really can and what is really possible in their world and in their life. So we want you to see yourself here. We want you to see and unpack all that you are. And we want you to realize incredible things. All right, I'm going to show you something. You ready? Now, some of you might have seen this before. Just chill and relax. Just settle down. 2015, this went just viral. It went crazy. But what is that? It's a dress. Now, don't say anything. But are you ready? I need you to tell me what color the dress is. Don't say anything yet. I need you to tell me what color that dress is. Now, how many see people see in navy blue and black? Put your hand up. Look around. Those people are all out of their tree. Because <laughs> the rest of us know what color is it? It's white and gold. Who sees white and gold? All right, the blue and black people, you're dismissed. <laughs> Just kidding. I see, I see white and gold. My wife sees navy blue and black. And she was so mad at me because she said, she was like, stop it. I went, Cheryl, I'm not kidding. I don't care. I see it on this medium. I see it on the phone. I pull it up on my laptop. Wherever I put it, I only see white and gold. That's it. Like, to see navy blue and black, honest to God, what's the matter with you? Huh? Like... White, gold, white, gold, white, gold. Madeline, Madeline, white and gold. You know, this messed up color scientist people, still today, they'd have no idea why that happened. This is a lady who took a picture of a dress with her cell phone. She took a picture of this dress and she sent it out to her friends and said, this is what I'm going to wear to my daughter's wedding. And then she had a whole bunch of friends go, do you really want to wear that to your daughter's wedding? And she's like, what's the problem? And then she had a bunch of them who said, I'm not sure white and gold is going to be appropriate with your daughter's wedding, do you think? I mean, it kind of conflict with her nice white dress. She went, 
white and gold? She's like, what are you talking about? It's blue and black. Then she had other friends go, yeah, I was going to say, what do you mean white and gold? It's blue and black. It blew up. So these people started sending it to their friends, and they had conflict with their friends. Then they sent it out farther. BuzzFeed, you know BuzzFeed? BuzzFeed picked it up. They put a survey on their website. Two million people in the matter of a couple of days took the survey. 72% of two million people say it's white and gold. 72% say it's white and gold. Those who are pure in heart, who see from their heart. Bizarre, though, 72% see white and gold. Now, still, colored people are trying to figure it out. One guy said, it depends. He did a study to find out what time people wake up in the morning. He said, people who wake up really early see white and gold because they have a, a different sensitivity to light than the people who wake up later. And that was a study he did. So he thought it was because we've trained our, our brains to see light in different ways, and that's why that happens. But that, I never, ever see anything but white and gold. Our staff are split on it. We just had a staff meeting just about blew up this week because they just couldn't believe it. We had division. We had two visions. We had two visions in our staff meeting. Division can happen. It happens, right? Let me show you. Give me the next slide. That's her in the dress. That's the actual dress. Same dress. Exact same dress. But I don't know what happened. Somehow with the light, with that picture that she took, I don't know what. And, and nobody can really explain it, but... I'm showing you this. Why are you showing us this, Pastor? I'm showing you this because these things just send light. They send stuff. These eyes, they're just mechanical things that take information and shove it into your brain. But it's your brain that tells you what you see. Your brain will tell you. You don't see what you see. What you see is what you see, but what you really perceive and what you really give meaning to is not based on what you see. It's based on what your brain tells you it is. Like I was told red is red. I don't know. Whatever red is could be totally different to you. But we were both told that's red. So we've embraced that. But you see, the things that you see aren't necessarily what you see. It's what your brain tells you it is. And so your head, your brain, your mind is what defines all these things. So I'm telling you, there are people and, and what you perceive. And that's why God said, I'm see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? There's things happening all around. Some people see and some people don't. There's see and see not people. But I want you to be a see person, which means I want to train you to see accurately in the spirit and remove the clutter from your life today that would affect your vision. Give me another picture here. Boom. John 1, 17. We're going we're gonna to be in John 1. We spent the whole, I spent all last week in Revelation. I'm going to spend six weeks in John 1. Isn't that great? So good. Look at this. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has seen. Say seen. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed, declared, or the message says, he, Jesus, has made him plain as day. See, all kinds of communication, all kinds of people framed who God was, what he was like. Prophets, people spoke, they wrote books, they said, this is God. And then God said, okay, great attempt, that was awesome and not bad, but now I'm going to clearly manifest myself, and if you really want to see God, you have to see Jesus. And if you're listening to anything else that is in conflict with Jesus, cast it down and embrace Jesus, because God says, Jesus made God perfectly 
clear. So you got to see that. So this is a transition time for you, transition time for me. New year. I love new beginnings. It's so good. But in this transition time in the gospels, in this transition time in history, this was the biggest transition yet that the world has ever seen. This was when God came out of heaven and identified with us and he totally showed us who he is and what's he all about. And we need to embrace this. We need to get it and we need to see it properly. In this transition where we went from law to grace, we went from the old to the new. We went, we went from religious striving and work, personal hiding, revelation of Jesus. And we have to understand that there's something wonderful and it's all about seeing. And this first chapter of John has so much about seeing in it. So we want to camp around it and spend a little time there. Can I get a hallelujah? So we're going to read John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 23 all the way through to, I think, 57. I don't have it all on the screen. So you got to read along with me. That's why you got to bring your Bibles. Read along. Some of it's there, but read with me. Read with me. Ready? Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Who's he? That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner. Jesus was coming. God was coming into the world. God was going to invade human existence. God was moving into town. And he had a forerunner come and say, hey, everybody, the Son of God is coming. The Messiah, the Christ is coming. And so we had a forerunner who was telling everybody, get ready. Do you know how many people John baptized at the Jordan? Do you know how many? Over one million over one million people baptized into the church of the Baptist John. One million Baptists in the time of John. And wherever there's one million Baptists, there's always going to be 120 Pentecostals. So here's what happened. There was all kinds of people who heard a message, who aligned themselves with the message, who were baptized into the message. And yet when it was all said and done, there was only 120 in the upper room when the church was born. That's because a lot of people saw, but they didn't perceive. And things cluttered in their life, hampered their understanding of coming into the full revelation of what was God was doing in their day. And you know what, folks? It's possible today. It's not God's will. He doesn't want to do it. He's clearly speaking. He's clearly revealing himself. But sadly, religion and strife and other nonsense keeps the lens cloudy from realizing the goodness of God and what he's doing in our day. Can I get an Amen. Shout amen anytime, especially if it's appropriate. Amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. All right, John, the way. What did he say? Here's his message. Ready? Here's his message. Make straight the way of the Lord. Make clear the way of the Lord. Make a clear path for the revelation of God to come. As the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent from the Pharisees, they began to ask him, why do you baptize if you're not the Christ, not Elijah, not the prophet? And John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there's one who's among you who I do not know. Listen to that. You don't know. And he says, you don't know, but it is he who is coming after me is preferred before me whose sandals I'm not worthy to lose. Verse 28 the things were done in Bethabara beyond the Jordan and John was baptizing. Verse 29 the next day John saw say saw. The next day John saw coming the Lamb of God Jesus and he said pay attention look behold it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins many translations of the whole world takes away the sins of the whole world this is he whom i said he comes after me who's preferred before me who was before me look at verse 31 the start of verse 31 i did not know him i did not know him 
but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing. And John bore witness, saying, He saw, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. Verse 31, at the start, I did not know him. You know, I did not see that as aggressively as I did in the last couple of days. And I circled it. I said, you know, I've never really seen John, who was the forerunner, announcing, saying, I did not know him. And it seemed like the Holy Spirit pushed it on me. Listen, he did not know him. And I went, why is that significant? But I'd never seen it so clearly before. We'll unpack it a bit in a minute. He said, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, you see, I didn't know. I didn't have a clear revelation of who he was. I wasn't even sure what it was I was looking for. I wasn't even clear on what I was announcing. All I knew was this, that the Holy Spirit told me, I'll make it clear to you at the appropriate time. I'm going to reveal it to you, and here's how I'll reveal it to you. But tell me more about him. I'm going to announce him. I don't even know him. I didn't know him, but I knew and I trusted. I went and I began and did all I did, even though all I knew was the Spirit will point it out at the appropriate time. Interesting. It was interesting for me. I did not know him, but he sent, he sent me to baptize. And he said, verse 34, and I have seen and I have testified, this is the Son of God. I want you to see. I want you to see clearly. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see yourself in Jesus. I want you to understand who he sees you as. I want you to unpack who you are in Christ. I want you to begin to walk in the fullness of that revelation. And I want that revelation to cause you to see that there can be an absolute change of name and encounter with him that'll shift everything forever. And then that'll cause you to invite others and bring others because that revelation is so explosive in your life. And then in the end, he saw Nathaniel and Nathaniel saw him and he said Nathaniel you think that's amazing you're going to see heavens open above you and our goal is that you're going to walk out of here after week six and understand that you are a dispenser of heavenly favors as he is so are you in this world and it'll never happen if you don't see if you don't see yourself and you don't see yourself growing and unpacking all that you are in community amen that's actually the whole six weeks in a phrase. You got to come back, though, because we're really going to unpack it. We're going to loose a supernatural brand of people like never before. Settle down. That sounds pretty exciting. All right, let me finish reading this, right? Uh, look, look, let's go down to uh, verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. He went and got, Andrew went and got Simon. Because, you know, when you encounter Jesus, you want to bring others. So he went and got Simon. When Simon came to him, he said, you're Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be called Peter. Says people see you as Simon, but I see you. You might hear Simon, you might hear labels, you might hear this is who you are. Let me define you, let me tell you who you are. You are Peter. You are Peter. And you're going to be somebody who's going to walk in incredible revelation and on the rock of revelation, I will build my church. Then he goes on, verse 43, and Jesus went to Galilee, found Philip. He said, follow me, Philip from Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip went and found Nathaniel, because that's what happens when you get touched by God and you perceive him and you know him. You get other people. Nathaniel comes, and he, he uh, said, we have found him who Moses and the law prophesy about. See, see, the law and Moses prophesy about Jesus. It points you to him, and yet people get stuck in the old when the new is what we're supposed to embrace. The new is what the old tells us about. And Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and Nathaniel said, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. God's going to do something with the guy from Nazareth. That's a joke. Here's what he said. Come and see. Turn your neighbor and say, come and see. 
Yeah, sure, God's going to do supernatural stuff through me. Come and see. God's got great plans for my life. Come and see. Come and see. You go to that little church, those crazy Christians, those nutty people, little chubby pastor barking up front. That's going to transform my life. Come and see. Come and see. So Nathaniel, coming towards Jesus, he said, Behold, Jesus said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him and said, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You were there doing your devotions earlier. And then he went, Oh my goodness, I felt something when I was doing my devotions under the fig tree. It was you. And he said, just because I gave you that word of knowledge and I told you what you were doing this morning, you think that's amazing. And because I saw you under the fig tree, you believe you will see greater things than these. Can we get an amen, Judy? Can we get an amen? Can we, can we get a hallelujah? Listen, you will see greater things than these. That's where we're headed, folks. We're headed towards the greater things. This is a bigger year, better year, greater year. God always goes on increase. He's a better and better God. He's a glory to glory God. And we're going to see clearly. We're going to be released into something fresh and new like never before. Well, that's some bold talk from that little feller. You betcha. We're going we're gonna to dream bigger. We're going to risk more. That's what it's all about, right? I saw you. You will see heaven open above you. You'll see the angels of God ascending and descending. Say ascending. ascending. Say descending. descending. So what happens? Do the angels come down when you see? No, the angels are already here. They just want to know, do you see? And when you see what God wants to do and you announce it, they go, oh, fantastic. <laughs> they go up, they get it, they bring it back. When you start to see what is really done on earth, you'll activate that angelic ladder and you'll activate that realm and you'll see heaven invading earth in every circumstance in your life. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. I want to just talk kind of quickly about some stuff. Luke chapter three, verse five says, every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be brought low. He said the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough ways will be made smooth. As I said, he's the forerunner. That was the ministry of John. The ministry of John was to make adjustments so that people could see Jesus. So we want to make those adjustments for you this year. All right. In 2007, they did a study, Richard Wiseman, University of Bristol. 3,000 people made resolutions. 52% of them really, really were confident that they would be successful. 88% of them failed. How many making decisions this year? I've set some goals for myself. Going to do it. Yes. How many have quit doing resolutions because you're just tired of losing? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, putting a big, I'm putting a big thing out. I've challenged myself to crazy things this year. And I want to challenge you as a church to come with us. All right. On a big journey. Let me show you this picture. It's a brain. A New Year's resolution demands willpower. Your brain cells operate with willpower. They are located in the prefrontal cortex. And you see, your brain is elastic. And your brain is like a muscle. You've got to train it to do something. All right, Kyle, come on up here, Kyle. This is Kyle. Kyle's a mighty man of God. Kyle, just, just show me that bicep there. Just do a... That is rock hard right there. He was at my place with a short t-shirt and I was so intimidated by those biceps. I was like, oh my God, they're bigger than my head. 
But Kyle's got a dream to open his own gym and do stuff like that, right? And you're going to do that. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? But how do you get biceps like that? Do you just make a resolution and say, this year I will have biceps like Kyle? Can I just write that down? Why? I got to train them. Thank you. Just show your biceps one more time. Thank you very much. Kyle's a man of God. You guys are fantastic. God's going to do great things in and through you. He really is. You might have thought you made decisions that brought you to where you are, but God did it. He's positioned you for such a time as this. And he wants you to dream bigger. He wants to satisfy things. He wants to surprise you. Wants to, wants to do things in and through you so it'll be unexplainable. And you'll just constantly have to say, look what the Lord has done. And God's going to reach so many people in and through you. People are going to come with hope for their own personal world and their personal lives. And you're going to tell them there's something bigger than just, just there's a supernatural God that can take you into bigger, better things. And you're going to be a harvest vehicle. God's going to use you in a big way to do those things. And there's no pressure because it's just going to be like breathing. It's going to be natural because you're a magnet for people who need hope. And they're going to find it in you. They're going to see it in you. And you're going to dispense it in a big way. Hallelujah. Just for fun. All right. So let me take another picture. Say Bubba Shiv. All right. It may be Baba Shiv. I don't know. I said Bubba. I said Baba because I'm from Louisiana. I'm really not from Louisiana. <laughs> Say Baba. Baba. Baba Shiv. Dr. Baba Shiv, Stanford University. He said, so your prefrontal cortex that handles willpower is like a muscle, just like Kyle said. And Kyle, I didn't tell him about the sermon. He wasn't here for rehearsal. He just right on time said it needs to be trained. It needs to be trained. It needs to be developed. See, your, your brain needs to be trained. What you see, you need to train yourself to see. Because you don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. And what you see and whether you perceive what's really going on, and even in the spirit, you need to train yourself to see. But here's, here's a beautiful thing in the spirit. You ready? Eyes to see and ears to hear, they come from the Lord. The spiritual light you need, it's a gift. And God has given it to you, and you can see. Literally, to not see clearly in the spirit right now would be neglect. It's not because you haven't had a special course. It's because you're just not using what God already blessed you with. Because eyes to see and ears to hear, they come from the Lord. Ha ha. All right, thank you. Needs to be trained. If you decide to train that muscle at the start of the new year with a resolution, he says, you make one resolution. I am going to lift the 300-pound barbell. That is my resolution for this year. 300 pounds. It's not going to happen. See, and he says it's the same way. You could never lift a 300-pound barbell just because I have decided to lift. Woo! It's not going to happen. So whatever you decide, you can't have a resolution. You've got you to gotta really start to do something. You've got to position yourself. And we've got to start to see properly. We've got to remove the obstacles that are in the way of our sight. Amen. All right, so that's why John the Baptist came. He came to prepare the people to see God. He came to prepare the people to see Jesus. He came to prepare people. Pay attention. God's doing something big in your neighborhood, and I want you to see it. And a million people got baptized into it, and only 120 saw it all the way through. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this year? What are you going to do with what God has? The claims and calls and purposes that God has in your life this year. What are you going to do with it? Because you really have a role to play. You really do. But I want to deal with some obstacles. You know, if, if I decided I wanted to be a vegan, which would be never. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I really don't know what it means. I was with somebody the other day. They're, they're, they're a pescatarian, which I guess means you can eat fish. 
I don't, there's so many things. And we got Zach, he's on staff, he's, a, he's in the keto. I thought, I thought keto was the guy who uh, worked with the, the Green Hornet, yeah. <laughs> and then the, the Pink Panther, keto, not today keto. <laughs> but apparently it's a, it's a way of eating. It's, it's a program where you just eat like fat. It's funny, you eat fat and you get skinny. Does that, does that make a lot of sense or what? Eat massive amounts of fat and watch yourself get skinny. And you know what? Zach, how many pounds have you lost? 60. And I have been interceding with Zach, and in the same period of town, same period of time, I've put on 30. So, so I've been praying for him in his journey. And just, just that's, that's what pastors do. That's what friends are for. Amen. All right, so you got you to gotta deal with stuff. You got to deal with things. You got to prepare. You got to get ready. So when Zach decides that he wants to become a, a vegan, he doesn't want to be a vegan, but if you want to be whatever, whatever, you decide you want to go to the gym, you got to clear your schedule. You got to decide when you're going to do it. Whatever you decide to do, whatever things you've made, whatever, uh, this is going to happen, then you got to declutter. You got to start removing stuff. My wife, like Christmas was crazy for us. It was a crazy sugar coma. Wow. So good, but now my body's saying, what's wrong with you? Anyway, so my wife is in a decluttering the house. She's, she's throwing out perfectly good food. Like, That's a shortbread cookie. I love shortbread. She said, too late. So we're getting stuff. So I want to declutter your head. I want to declutter your heart. I want the eyes of your understanding to be opened up. Are you ready? It's going to happen really fast. All right. All right, so here we go. Prepared to see first thing he said was you got to fill the valleys you got to fill the valleys and when a monarch traveled in those days he was a forerunner and he was a type of and and john the baptist came to say the king of glory is moving the king of glory is moving in so what a forerunner did was he didn't just go himself there's a whole team of people that come and when a king traveled in that day a whole team of engineers would go an army would go like just a truckload of people would go and before the monarch traveled they would uh, fill valleys. They would take mountains down, you know, hills and things. They would, if they, it was easier to get through like a brush area and you couldn't go around it, they would just clear out a whole bunch of brush. If things were rough, they would smooth it out because when the monarch traveled, it was going to be a smooth ride. And that's what they did. So John the Baptist is saying the monarch's ready to travel. He's ready to move in your life. So let's smooth out the journey. Let's remove the stuff that's going to hinder him from being manifest in your life. Can I get an amen? Valleys loss, betrayal, wounds, hurts, and sometimes they go, we sang that song today, you know, I've been around these walls for so long, and I thought one day they'd fall. These barriers that are in the path of my life, these things that are there, but I know you've never failed me yet. And there's sometimes when you're in that situation and you've had loss and you've had betrayal and you feel like this is just wrong. And it's such a deep thing that you're down in it so deep that the whole circumstances become the elevator music in your whole life. No matter what you're doing, it's just like, wah, 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 wah. Maybe that's where you are right now and you've been in a place where I'm so deep in this wound, I can't see nothing. This consumes my vision every day. I wish I could shake it off, but I can't. And maybe that's you right now. And if that's not you right now, it will be. Life has a way of happening. 
And sometimes there's things that happen that are unexplainable, things you never expect, and there's things that happen that just, just, and if you don't, you've got a friend, you've got somebody, if you're paying attention, there's people around you that are hurting. And you know what, if we're going to see and we're going to see together, these valleys got to get filled up. These things got to be filled up. But I love Luke 14. He says, I was sent. Why? To heal the broken hearted. Being broken hearted isn't a destination. It's something you go through. Things happen in life that break your heart. Things happen in life that are just deep, deep cuts and wounds. But I'll tell you, no matter what it is, if you'll reframe that and you'll look at it through the grace of Christ and you'll reframe it and take out your rights and what you think should have happened and wah, wah, wah. If you reframe that with the grace of God, it's going to get filled up. It's going to get restored. It's going to get healed and you're going to be okay. But there's a lot of people that can't see the future because there's things that happen. There's loss. There's bereavement. There's, there's things that happen. There's an event in your life that it was an event and it was horrible. I absolutely agree with you. But you've allowed it to become something, something that shapes your reality today. And it's always going on in the back of your mind. And you wonder, why doesn't everybody understand how painful this is? It's not that everybody doesn't understand. But it's something that you're really, really going through. It's not someone else who's going to help you. They might, they might try to help you and understand you, but only you can allow the grace of God right now to go deep into that hurt and to fill that hole and fill that gap. You could be right, it was not fair. You could be right, I don't understand. You could be right that this doesn't fit what God says is my future. It doesn't even resemble his nature. You might be right all about that, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll give it to him, if you'll cast all your hurts, your pains, your cares on him, He'll pour grace into your heart and heal you right now. Because he came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Like Helen Keller said, having sight's not the problem, it's no vision. And often pain and hurt and, and difficulty and loss and wounds hinder you from moving forward in God. And even though, look everybody, Jesus! Yeah, whatever. I've hoped before, I've believed before. It's time to put that aside. It's time to clear up your believer. It's time to see what God's doing today. Let's pray. We're going to pray right now. Father, we just push our wounds on you. We push our hurts on you. We push our disappointments on you. We push those areas that are valleys in our life right now. And we just open our hearts and say, I can't get past this, but I need to. And would you fill this right now? Would you let your grace flood this right now? In Jesus' name. We could camp around that for seven weeks. We could do a series on every word. But I pray right now in Jesus' name that you get a revelation that you're complete in him. He meets all your needs and he blesses you every day. Number two, you got to fill the valleys. Number two, you got to lower the mountains. This is interesting. I said we come back to this because the Holy Spirit telling me, he said, you know what a big mountain is in a lot of people's lives? They're unwilling to say, I don't know. There's a lot of people who all the time, they know. They know what's going on. I know. I know. I get a lot of people come, they try to get help. They go, oh, I know. I go, if you know, then why are we talking? You see, a lot of people who were baptized, a million people who were baptized, they came and they thought they knew. 
And all those people who came back in John's day, they thought they knew. But in reality, they were unwilling to say, I don't know. I think it's amazing that John the Baptist was willing to say, I don't know. But what I do know is that the Spirit will reveal to me when it's necessary. There's a lot of people who have, I got absolutes in my life, and I know this, and I know this, and I know this. I'm telling you this right now. Some of the stuff that you think you know are just biases in your life that are going to hinder you from seeing what God's doing today. Because you've elevated your knowing above the day-to-day dependence of seeing what the hand of God is doing right now. John Wooden said, it's not a fantastic basketball coach, but what a great quote. He said, it's not what you learn. It's what it is. It is what you learn after you know it all that counts. See, if you are in in the know-it-all place, it's a scary spot to be. Stay green. Stay open. Keep your heart open. Say, I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to understand. I don't know. I think I already know what it will look like. And then because of my exalted biases, I miss what the Spirit is pointing out. And that straight up is pride. And that's the root of religion. And all those religious people in that day, did they miss Jesus because he didn't look like what they had trained themselves to see. They could not see him. Even though they saw him with their eyes, they could not perceive him because they had biases that were elevated and they would not see what the Spirit was doing in their day, although it was absolutely clear. They all missed it. Are you okay? All right, so get rid of our hurts, our wounds, fill the valley, get rid of the mountains, get rid of the idols, get rid of the things that we've set up in our lives against the knowledge of God. Number three, number three is we got to confront crooked things, crooked places, crooked stuff, confusion, apathy, division, all these kind of things. We got to confront that in our lives. Philippians 3.13 said, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I strain ahead. You know what? Forget all the stuff. You know, for for several days, we had two visions in our office. We had people with the white and gold. We had people with the blue and black. We had two visions in the office. I had division in the house. You know, you, you can't have division. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And you know what? Confront things that aren't right in your life. Confront confusion. Confront apathy. Confront division. Deal with it. I love what uh, Paul said to King Agrippa. Say Agrippa. It's this guy who stands in front of you and gets a grip of your vision and says, who do you think you are? And King Agrippa wanted to know who Paul thinks he is. And Paul stood face to face with the king and he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I know and I see clearly the purpose of God in my life and I got to confront anything that's trying to cause confusion or division or strife in that. Number four, you got to deal with the... Number four. Number four. You got to smooth out the rough stuff. Smooth out the rough stuff. Anybody ever got offended before? Two people. Anybody ever got offended for somebody else who was offended? Anybody got offended because you heard somebody was offended and they told you that they were offended? You don't even know the people, but you saw it on Facebook, so you were offended too. Offense is stupid. Being offended because of Instagram is really, really stupid. Hello. Social, anti-social media. Are you? Here's John the Baptist, the guy who announced the Christ. John the Baptist, you are the Christ. This guy, that guy who baptized a million people for his coming. That guy. That guy later on after he saw some of Jesus' ministry, you know what he said? 
I introduced him into the ministry, and now look what he's doing. Look what he's teaching. Look who he's hanging out with. That guy, that very guy, when he was in prison, said, send somebody to talk to him because I want to know, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? And then you know what happened to John the Baptist? He lost his head. You know, sometimes because you get offended by how things are going, it doesn't seem to think quite the way you think it is. Careful. That was kind of creepy, right? <laughs> kind of manipulative, kind of bondage-like. No, I'm really telling you, don't get offended. Don't do it. John, uh, John the Baptist literally got offended at Jesus' ministry, and he's the one who announced his ministry. Hey, everybody, it's Jesus. And a few weeks later, who are you? What are you doing? I can't stand your ministry. And he lost it. I mean, if the guy who announced it could lose it, oh, my goodness. Thank, he was an old covenant prophet, though. All of us are new covenant people. And everybody in the new covenant is way more blessed than John. Just threw that out there. Mark 4, 38. Remember when they're in the boat and Jesus is sleeping on the pillow? Baby sleeping is lovely. Look at that lovely baby sleeping. An adult sleeping is like, ah. <laughs> and an adult sleeping in a crisis? Like they're like, we're going to die. What's Jesus doing? <laughs> Here's what they said to Jesus in that time. And I've said it a few times this year. Don't you care? Don't you care? And you know what? Sometimes stuff like that, rough things go on, stuff that ain't so smooth. You got to confront that and you got to deal with that. Because you know what? He who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he's taking care of things. And everything's going to be okay. So we got to level out those things. we got to smooth those things out. Because folks, we're on a journey to see. We're on a journey to see yourself. We're on a journey to see yourself here. And we're on a journey to release that open heaven above you to invade the community.